section two of the black cat volume two number six march eighteen ninety seven this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the black cat volume two number six march eighteen ninety seven section two the bramble gift trust by zolly luther jones how strange that i should have known her two solid months and never heard or seen any signs of this peculiarity you call it i should call it a streak of insanity it does seem strange but you might have known her as many years and never heard of it from her she never alludes to the subject herself except by the most distant reference which you could not understand unless you knew the circumstances well tell me about her for i am consumed with curiosity i thought her remark peculiar when i gave her her choice of the things and that is what made me ask you about her you see she had been so kind to us since we moved into the neighborhood charlie had the scarlet fever and we had the rest of the family quarantined from him and that left so much for me to do and we couldn't find help and one day this dear plump little soul rang the bell with a vigorous snap and offered her help in nursing him at night she did it with the business air of a professional nurse and i was so rejoiced to see my way clear that i was about to ask her terms when she saved me the humiliation by explaining that she was a neighbor with not enough work of her own to keep her quiet and who had to push her nose into other kennels to be happy she was an excellent nurse i felt as if i had been through a training school when she left one morning saying that charlie would do if i was careful i looked over my belongings hoping to find something acceptable to her and of enough value to express in a measure my great appreciation i never felt so poor before and i never felt such a fondness forgivable things anything nice enough to offer her seemed too precious to part with and anything i was willing to part with seemed too trifling to give at last i put aside a drawn work table cover that had never been used and then fearing that she was too matter-of-fact to care for such things i managed to get my consent to venture as a choice to her a lovely Swiss clock one rob brought home to me when he went over to the mountains for his health the year after we were married well when she came around in her professional way to ask after her patient i managed to work up courage to ask her to accept as a gift either the cloth or the clock i was a little afraid she would be abrupt and say she didn't care for presents but what do you think that woman said why she asked 
with a critical air looking at the works of the clock quite greedily i thought and i have always heard that you shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth which is the more valuable i could have dropped where i stood the thought flashed through me the mercenary creature and when i looked at her i flushed crimson for she seemed to see right through me then as i said nothing she added which would you rather have after a change of fortune or in case of the death say of any one you love which has the most tender memories clinging round it i was so taken back that i forgot they were presents offered to her and i told the truth i said why the clock the clock was given to me by rob when he got well after we thought he had consumption and it is the dearest thing pretty near that i own i was confused and excited and tired with nursing i suppose for i felt the tears getting ready and i began to talk a whole lot of stuff i hardly knew what when she patted me on the shoulder and said quite matter-of-fact i will take the clock thank you very much you need rest go to bed i will sit with the boy an hour longer i went to bed and i spent the whole hour and another trying to decide which of us was crazy now for mercy's sake tell me about this monster growth of eccentricity that you have concealed all this time in your commonplace little taxes town well said my friend if you are so well acquainted with her it would be just as well to call or rather drop in for we should never get beyond the front parlor if we called formally i will tell you something about her as we go and the rest you may see for yourself to this i agreed and we walked in the direction of miss burns home my friend explaining as we went when my father moved to bramble this miss burns was a young lady and a very attractive one she led all the young people's church work and was the moving power in their picnics and socials the best cook in the cooking club and the first to sit with the dead and nurse the sick as she is now for that matter she was engaged to an awfully handsome young man though she wasn't pretty and i suppose that every girl in town sorter envied her for they were always wondering how on earth at laws ever happened to fancy nanny burns i guess it was her independence that he liked handsome men get sick of girls going on over them they were engaged a long time and long engagements are bad luck every time heaven knows how many men would have the same wives 
they have now if the law compelled them to be engaged a whole twelve months before marriage well theirs fell through he got dissipated he always had been a little so and she wouldn't marry him unless he reformed and he found a girl who would take him whiskey and all and so he married ellen knowles it went hard with nanny but she would have stuck it out as long as life lasted so it was just as well the first she knew of ed's marriage was from the cards and she got to work and collected all the presents he had given her in all those six years and she packed them in a middle-sized trunk and got them to him the day before his wedding they say that every month or so for several years after their marriage ed's wife received packages from nanny burns with some forgotten but newly found gift from ed to her she sent them to ellen for she said it wasn't right to correspond with ed after he was married to another woman it was along about that time that she began to put all the things that people had given her in one corner of the parlor on a whatnot. After a while, she had to add the center table, and then a few years ago, she took the whole back parlor for a place to store her gifts. Her idea was that everyone in making a present runs the risk of wanting that article at some future time, either from natural covetousness or from need or change of circumstance and that to be really honest one should ever be in the position to return a gift when most needed by the giver she only kept the things which naturally came her way at first but the idea has grown on her lately and now she rather seems to seek them only she never uses them but hoards them jealously some of the ladies in town have twenty or thirty articles in her parlor and they rival each other in the richness of their exhibits in nanny burns parlor they call it the gift trust as i said she never mentions it but she is delighted to talk about it when someone starts her right all of which so worked upon my curiosity that when finally seated in the front parlor i could hardly hide my eagerness as we talked of charlotte's scarlet fever and of church affairs and election and when at last my friend said casually mrs cranburn tells me that she has prevailed upon you to accept her swiss clock miss nanny and i should like to show her some of your other gifts i felt my knees knock together and i could hardly follow my hostess into the room a few steps away why how bare it looks miss nanny exclaimed my companion as she stepped across the threshold what is gone miss burns who was now entering the room on the opposite side from that by which we had come in made a deprecatory gesture threw herself into the nearest chair and gasped 
don't you know can't you see my daphne lamp oh the lovely yellow rose shade on the crystal stand why you have had that for years and years what have you done with it given it to some needy connection of its i warrant oh yes said the plump little woman smiling and i had to make them take it they didn't want to oh no they never do poor things you see she continued turning to me mrs tucker gave the lamb to me a few months before she died five years ago well i've been groaning over that mabel of hers ever since captain tucker married again but there wasn't anything i could do to show my love for her i had this lamp of her mother's to be sure but one does not console a step-ridden child with gifts however when she ran away yesterday and married i came right home from the aid society where i heard of it and packed that lamp off to her post quick it will remind her of her mother poor girl but i miss it sadly i can't bear to come in here and i always go round and come in at the east door as i did just now when i left you and met you again you can't see the empty corner when you come in on the same side with it you only feel the void do you know i can't get the wish out of my mind that i had taken that lovely yellow chair cushion mrs lane offered me when she let me choose between that and the flower stand for my calli lily a yellow cushion on that chair would light that corner mightily you might put the table with the lily on it in the corner and throw that canary scarf over the stand i suggested more and more interested it would have the same color effect oh dear no why woman the lily would die away from the light it will bloom next month susie jones gave me that when it was a bulb and i have taken no end of trouble with it have gotten up cold nights to wrap it up or put a lighted lamp near it to keep it from freezing i'm forcing it now to send to the church when her baby is christened three weeks come next sunday no i have to wait the corner will fill but it will never have the same character that the lamp gave it it was from daphne's and real cut we did not entirely escape the gloom caused by the departed rose shade during our lengthy afternoon call but we found ourselves able to notice the good points of many of the more prominent articles that overstocked this very peculiar storage room on one side was a glass-doored case made into the wall it looked like the shell of some vanished library whose sedate shelves now held knick-knacks of every description under the sun pin-cushions of silk worsted patchwork or embroidery in shapes which varied from the body of a butterfly to the colossal terror that would have done yeoman service as a footstool glass cut and tinted 
old pieces and sets inkstands pen wipers vases calendars it is madness to try an enumeration for there was every article that is or ever has been popular as a gift at any season or for any price in moderation for we are not wealthy in bramble since our native day as a town on the walls hung paintings and portraits on a corner bookcase and in every otherwise vacant place there were books all of them gifts properly labelled on the first fly-leaf from loving friends in a standing basket i discovered rolls on rolls of handmade edging crocheted scallop and insertion in sets tatting drawn raffles in fact anything that could be measured by the yard and rolled in balls i love such feminine foolishness and picking up an elaborate web of delicate threads why don't you make it up i cried effusively miss nanny looked at me reprovingly you don't understand she said sweetly that is my sweet sixteen basket every young girl of my acquaintance when she is sixteen years old makes me a piece of work suitable for a wedding garment and when she is wedded i return it to her not until the knot is securely tied however my basket suffered greatly this spring the girls had no conscience about marrying this is solid silver this set said she tenderly handling a tea service james price gave me this i helped him out of a scrape just a small loan i made nothing to warrant a gift for he paid me back but he wouldn't be satisfied until i went with him to holland's and chose the finest service there he declares he will never see it again and i tell him that if he dies without it i will get a chance to give it back to his children and so we have it he's a jolly fellow knew him when he cut his second teeth this is bony smith's egg collection said miss burns opening a rudely made cabinet he made the case and varnished it himself when he was half-grown boy yes she laughed in answer to my inquiring glance lawyer alexander bonaparte smith of bramble he used to climb every tree and ransack every cave and cranny in the whole county for specimens his mother felt creepy and wouldn't let him keep them in the house so one day he was one of my sunday school scholars he took me into his confidence and i offered him a place in the smoke-house for his cabinet when winter came the first nother burst some of the eggs the freshest ones and after that we kept them in here we had a bad time with the snake egg though i was so afraid it would hatch for i had heard that snake eggs did not take much heat to hatch them so for a long time i kept it in a tin can hung in a bucket of cold spring water then i risked pouring hot water over it and letting it slowly come to a boil since then i have felt moderately comfortable 
especially as it has now been eight or nine years since it was laid you will like this crazy quilt see if you can find my name it is on every patch isabel fowler made that every stitch of it see nanny annie nan nancy n e burns it is hidden under some device and in the corner patches she has hers hidden in the same way see bella isabella fowler isa ella isn't it unique she was two years making it i haven't a more elaborate thing in my whole collection this is mrs mills corner that woman really afflicts me with gifts i wonder if she does everyone so this with charming innocent oh don't go i am afraid i have tired you do you know i sometimes fear my friends will think me a crank on the subject of my gifts i am so unfortunately fortunate in receiving them do you notice our little swiss ticking the hours away mrs cranburn i noticed with a thud of the heart and for that day and many after one thought was always with me the thought that that clock was ticking away the measure of time between my present happiness and some great impeding sorrow that should bring it back to me one day about a month after miss nanny took the clock home that is two million five hundred ninety nine thousand five hundred ninety five ticks of the pendulum counting the extra hours and minutes difference over the even month since she began winding it up every day at twelve the door-bell rang furiously with a throbbing heart for in spite of my matter-of-fact husband's good-humoured jeers that idea of a sure-to-come calamity still oppressed me i hurried to the door there i saw that which sent the entire landscape whirling like mad around me for at my gate was an express wagon and on my doorstep stood a small darky with my swiss clock in his hand and a yellow envelope both from miss nancy when the landscape quieted i told the boy rather incoherently to put the clock down then i closed the door on the dreaded object ran to the telephone and called up the store we all have telephones in bramble as well as electric lights and water pressure but our streets are bottomless in rainy weather and we have as yet no stock law i got rob and put him through an examination regarding his health going over his organism carefully in detail finding him whole i made him promise to go to the schoolhouse to look into charlie's condition although i know now that he did not do it at all but only sat at his desk and laughed at me having eased my mind thus far i sat down to look at the yellow letter which i felt sure foretold some immediate calamity when at last i found courage to open it i read mrs r e cranburn 
dear madam having found it necessary to resign the care of yours and other valuable trusts committed to me i here with return in good order one sous clock received october fifth eighteen ninety three please return receipt respectfully nancy e burns sure enough there was a receipt blank made out in good form a startling ring at the bell took me to the door again where i found the boy and wagon as i had left them i didst go back without the receipt said the messenger with a parting gleam of his white teeth bramble was stirred to its very centre never since the last boy in grey had found his belated way back to her dreary war-stricken streets had anything of so much general interest occurred as we knew it long before the large square envelopes were delivered by the knowing postmaster and we knew also before we saw it in the lower left-hand corner that there were to be no presents miss nanny was to be married an old lover had returned after years of absence he had left bramble when the engagement was announced between miss nanny and ed laws and had taken it for granted that they were married all these years miss nanny wouldn't hear to marriage at first she looked upon herself as a widow but her returned lover used her own principles against her he told her that he had given her his heart long ago and that as she could not return it to him in good order she must give him hers instead this won her for every one knows a heart is of no value after ten years of enforced idleness it was nice too i suppose to be loved absolutely after so many years of philanthropic general affection the express boy was busy for a week and miss nanny took lots of things home herself always insisting on receipts it was the only way to end the trust honestly she said for she was going back east to live and she couldn't risk packing and transportation although she should miss them besides he thought she had better return them all and clear her mind miss nanny had kept an account book and in all those ten years she had never lost or injured one article given her to keep she had had plants glass lace silks kittens a parrot and once a baby she had returned them all in good order when they were needed or wanted we couldn't give miss nanny any gifts when she married but when her household furniture was auctioned off it was all gone in three hours at twice its original value she sold her furniture because you see hal james is wealthy and miss nanny kept only her heirlooms which will not burden him there was however no law against perishable things at the wedding so we covered the church interior with flowers the roses and the chrysanthemums were glorious that november the sweet sixteens were bridesmaids and we mothers gave a bridal supper that fairly stupefied 
that new hampshire man in spite of his money you see miss nanny while she never made gifts was always doing something for somebody and the whole town loved her and when bramble lost her and the gift trust it was as though we had lost a church hospital and museum all rolled into one end of section two